The following podcast is a production of Hardly Awesome Studios in association with the network. Find us at BICBP-radio.com. up everybody welcome back to another episode of silence your phones i'm one of your hosts chris chavez joined by your other host sean fritz sean fritz here in the flesh in the digital uh, flesh the digital flesh in the uh in the war torn no not war torn in the uh although that's awesome segue fritz there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh in the in the metal flesh of i'm in a, i slept in a sleeping bag Last night, it was a weird choice because I live in a house and I was Wait, there. Really? No, but it just oh. go for the story here. Uh, I slept in a sleeping bag. The sleeping bag was a uh, very it was a metal coffin of sorts. It was like a seven six two millimeter shaped sleeping bag. It was very streamlined, if you will. Very I repacked nice. myself this morning into a real bed somewhere in the middle of the night. Took off the uh, the markings, uh, the incriminating markings on the outside. Sure, I mean. <laughs> Boy, talk about making chicken salad out of chicken shit right there. <laughs> oh, man, dude. Yeah, it's um, some weird times anyway, dude. You know, who knows where we are? Down's up. Up is down. Up, up. I'll, the only thing that can save us is the Contra code at this point. <laughs> Turn us around right. enough to get us to where we need to go. Boy, that all kind of fits into everything we're talking about today. The Contra code, running arms, getting all the... Remember, the, the code was supposed to give you the most weapons and all, all your ammo, right? Uh, I think it was like 99 lives in Contra. Um, Wasn't it all ammo too? Like it was unending ammo? I mean, I think it might have been. I don't know. Super C and Contra and Super C are not that they're awful games because they're awesome games. Uh, But it has been a long time. I think the last time I played it was at a sleepover when I was 12 years old. (laughs) I never never had those games as a kid. I now have the... Uh, because I quote unquote own them, I now have the digital backup version of them. I uh, I only played it with this kid that lived behind me when I was probably the same age, around 10, 11. Um, and I always thought it was supposed to be Sylvester Stallone and Dolph Lundgren. I thought those were the two characters in the game. Okay, time out. You know how there's a, an 8-bit retro insurgence, uh, insurgency? Uh, resurgence and mm-hmm. nostalgia trip that needs to exist on some platform switch online i'm telling you man i would totally buy that game 15 to 25 dollars if it was more than like a 45 minute playthrough or if it wasn't impossible like super c i would i would totally get that game and play the living hell out of it that's awesome that's awesome, that would be um, awesome. or a rom hack that would be great too there you go bases That'd be sweet, dude. Uh, put a skin on it. Brand new skins look just like them. Let's let's update it. Let's look make it fucking PlayStation Five graphics. 
DLC. Yeah, 8-bit PlayStation 5. That makes sense. <laughs> and it's legit. And it's Rambo. It's Stallone as Rambo. He's like, with the long you hair. You beat it through on like the hardest level. Oh, and the headband, by the way. Yeah. You through on the hardest level, you get the Rambo skin. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh man. Um, no, this week we are, we, we are kind of still talking war. We talked Patton last week, world war two. And this time, um, we're diving into modern war, uh, a little bit, you know, more recent, the Iraq war most uh, mostly. Um, but really it's the people that kind of make sure the war happens. We're talking war dogs. Frankly, we were a tad concerned with your performance history against a deal of this size. But after meeting you two face to face, we feel like we're in good hands on this one. We won't let you down, sirs. Not to mention your bid was far too attractive for us to pass up. What did you mean by that exactly? He means you boys lowballed the entire industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, by how much? You guys came in $53 million lower than the nearest competition. Oh, okay. Now to a question that still has no clear answer. How did two 20-something young men land a $300 million Pentagon contract? I have a big idea. They call guys like us war dogs, bottom feeders who make money off of war without ever stepping foot on the battlefield. Show you about my it was meant to be derogatory, but we kind of liked it. We don't play fair. Sorry, Excuse kind me. of an emergency. Sorry, don't worry, I have to go first, I'm American. seriously want to drive to Baghdad. David, we're gun runners. Let's go run some guns. Give me some of that. triangles including your mom's right the thing opens with narration that discusses how basically when when wars are are, are being waged um a lot of times you're hearing things about patriotism freedom uh this is the good guy this is the bad guy but what's really happening on the the other side that nobody really pays attention to is that it's a business war is a legit business and there are people who make a whole lot of money on the business of war. Well, I mean, we talked about Captain America a couple of weeks ago. Look at Tony Stark. Yeah. Tony Stark is and has a villain called a warmonger. Exactly. Did you um did you know about this story before you saw it? No, but I remember that there was a Nicolas Cage movie about something not uh, about the a similar subject matter um, and because it was before Nicolas Cage was the gem that he is. Um, I had never seen it. And I just kind of dismissed that movie. Uh, this, no, because I never really read Rolling Stone. Um, 
a lot of people, and I think I fall into that same category, feel that Rolling Stone is a little too pompous for its own britches. <laughs> yeah, I'm, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I remember we had a we had I had a subscription to Rolling Stone, um, you know, and that was the thing. Like I, I was a lot of times what I liked to look at was what were up and coming artists, you know, that's different. Well, you're you're also in that in that uh, world of live music and yeah, uh, you know, different. You know, you're, you spend time. This is a real place uh, on Bandcamp and looking for new artists and such. I, I don't I don't do concerts I think yeah. the last concert i did was at post prom no there's one at post prom so this was 20 plus years ago there's a band out of lancaster holy shit dude really there's a band in lancaster pennsylvania where i'm from called negative space uh they did post prom uh and okay you want to hear a juxtaposition here chris i think the last concert i went to that i paid to go to not that i didn't well, okay so i i was going to get uh, Roger Waters tickets. That's a, that's a, that's a go-to, right? Yeah. Uh, this I'm was going, a- I'm going to New York uh, in August. Okay, I don't need to hear you brag because <laughs> humble brag. It's only at Madison square garden. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would go to see Roger Waters. Yeah. I would, I would pay big dollar to, to go see a reunion of what's left of the original Pink Floyd. Oh my God. More Ann Waters. Um, but uh, the last concert that I went to was at Hershey Park Arena when I lived in Pennsylvania. And um, it was, are you ready? Uh-oh. Uh, Cinderella opened. Oh, my God, dude. Followed by Winger. Yes. Faster Pussycat. Yes. Um, and there's one that I'm missing, but then after that, the headliner was, do you want to guess? Motley Crue. Poison. Poison. <laughs> dude well no wonder you didn't go to anything after that because after that you're like all right I've, I've hit the apex that was it i mean it's either that or the only thing you know how there's like that well you got to go bigger better every time the only thing that would have been bigger better and this was 2003 or 4 would have been poison or um, poison uh would have been woodstock 99 you yeah. know it's just set everything on fire <laughs> uh, that's the only that's the i did see metallica in concert in 02 at the dog shit stadium known as veteran stadium in Philly. Um, and I didn't know it at the time, but uh, the opening act was um, uh, Lincoln park. Oh, nice. And Mudvayne. Oh, nice. Very nice. Very drunk. Nice. Very drunk. <laughs> oh, were they? No, I was. Oh, you, <laughs> I was very, drunk. I think Limp Bizkit was there too. Oh my God. That was, that was, <laughs> Let's just say that that concert was of a time. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Oh, man. Um, okay, so this movie, War Dogs, right? This movie is of a time as well. This literally takes place uh, during the Iraq War. And the reason I was asking if you knew about it ahead of time was because I did. I did get the the subscription to Rolling Stone. And I remember the article that they wrote about this. And I remember reading this just being like, holy cow, this is like insane. This sounds like a movie, right? And then obviously... It they isn't. made it into a movie. How about that? So let's get into it. The plot. Uh, according to Google, the plot is with the war in Iraq raging on a young man, Jonah Hill, offers his childhood friend a chance to make big bucks by becoming an international arms dealer. Together, they exploit a government initiative that allows businesses to bid on U.S. military contracts. 
Starting small allows the duo to rake in money and live the high life. They soon find themselves in over their heads after landing a $300 million deal to supply Afghan forces, a deal that puts them in business with some very shady people. Pretty accurate. Pretty accurate plot. Uh, Let me give it a try. Uh, a sociopath and the guy that can't see through his bullshit reconnect at a friend at a at a um, potentially mutual friend's funeral. He's uh, the the um, the sucker is pulled into the fold and gets way in over his head. His way out of his league girlfriend and eventual wife is not okay with it eventually doesn't deal with his bullshit, but then realizes that she loves him so much. And then eventually they get taken down by the big dogs, the FBI. Yeah. And you see this, like uh, like Jonah Hill's character, uh, like you said, he's kind of a sociopath. There's also a part of him where like, he's constantly putting on an act for no matter who he's dealing with. Right. And as he is who everybody wants him to be. Yeah. Different settings. And as, um, his, his partner, um, What what was his name? The guy that played uh, David miles teller, miles teller as miles teller starts to continue to like work with him and and they get deeper and deeper into this world. No, he was David, right? David something. Yeah. Um, But he sees, you know, as he see, as they keep getting deeper and deeper into this world, um, he starts to really see Jonah Hill for who he is. And Jonah Hill is just a snake. He's just, he doesn't care. He's just all about making it all, you know, all for him. And that's it. Mm Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It was good. This was, you know what this reminded me of a little bit? It reminded me kind of like uncut gems where it was just constantly, you're just like, oh, they're just like more and more. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't as intense as no. that, but it was like, it, it, it's kind of like, um, almost like a Ponzi scheme, um, type thing. It's crazy to think about this, though, right? The fact that there's this story is is because there was this thing happening with the war, right? When war's going on, America, there was. Well, I think what the the story was before that was Dick Cheney um, got busted for kind of using some of his private companies to be the people who made money off of war, right? So that so that they they were the ones that were eating up all these contracts that the the US government needed to fill to get supplies and ammunition and armor and all these things out there uh to fund their war. They they didn't you know they they were basically using the vice president's companies and it, it became this big thing, a big scandal and so that the the government basically had to open up contracts to small businesses. Anyone could get an access to it and bid on fulfilling these contracts. And that means if you had the money and you knew the right people, you could go on a website and just pour over these contracts and something will come up and say, Hey, maybe we need, you know, 5,000 flak jackets. Right. Uh, And it's going to, and it's going to be used to go over to Afghanistan or whatever the case is. And you knew somebody that could get you those flak jackets, but you're getting them from like another country, Italy, Asia, wherever. So you're kind of like the middleman in doing this. And you say, I can do it for this much money. And they say, sweet, we'll pay you because they're going to go for the cheapest. Obviously, the government's going to. And all you have to do is source everything. Right. And that's you're basically the hustler. You're the one doing all the work to, to connect the dots, to make sure things get from point A to point B, to paying the people that need to do it. You're the dude that's doing and decide, you know, you're that main person. And that's who Jonah Hill 
is at the beginning of this film when you say he meets his friend at the funeral and he's basically coming up to a guy who when we first meet uh miles teller's character he's a massage therapist he's a masseuse a licensed masseuse in miami um rubbing the backs of rich gross old men <laughs> corny i mean there's there's an understood descriptor in there too is uh you know if you're talking about miami and typically they're just going to be gross anyway but yes yeah um so he's already got this kind of life he doesn't want to be there he's got a girlfriend at home that you know he wants to have a better life with her and when he sees his old friend come into town and he's flashy looking he's throwing money around he's pulling out you know automatic semi-automatic weapons from the back of his trunk it's it's impressive looking it's like what the heck yeah, you know exactly who this guy is the second you see him yeah and um and that's it he he gets kind of brought into this his friends like hey you should come work for me do this it's easy and he, this is how you do it and they do they start faking things you know they start pretending they're this and that and one of the big things that they get is this kind of uh, this order for a, a bunch of Berettas, right? And he's in contact with a legit military captain out in Baghdad, like literally in Baghdad, in the green zone. He's on the phone with this guy trying to negotiate how to get the Berettas to him. And he brings up the case. I like the part where he's just like, you know, uh, I hope they're not from Italy. He's like joking around. The captain is and the kids like, uh, yeah, they are. He's like, are you kidding me? Have you not been paying attention to the new? Like he's not realizing he did. He thinks he's working with businessmen here. He doesn't realize he's working with a kid on the other end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that was the thing about this movie is these kids were in their like early twenties and they got in way over their heads, especially when they got to Vegas, right? They realized they're over their heads. They're like, Holy cow. We are not these people. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's very interesting. It's almost, um, are you familiar with the Peter principle? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty much that except they're not being the Peter principle. If you're not familiar is you're promoted. You can only be promoted to a certain ceiling with the skills that you have. Um, at that point you fake it till you make it or you're, you get a, get knocked down a peg or basically mm-hmm. you're, you either excel or you're fired. In most cases, people are fired. Yeah. They're not equipped in be it management or, or whatever. Uh, or not equipped by management or by, you know, training, or they just suck at whatever they were put in place to do. Uh, it's not unlike imposter syndrome, you know, where you feel like you don't belong in whatever position you're put in. Like, I, I know I couldn't be a CEO of a company right now. Maybe not ever, who knows, but it, it's kind of like that. And that's kind of where these guys end up. They're like, Oh shit, we're, we are a Ponzi scheme at this point, more or less. And we are not equipped to do any of this. But let's hope for the best. But Jonah Hill is kind of deluded because deluded or delusional? Both, right? Like he's he's it's it's like he's he thinks he's there. That's the thing. He believes that he thinks he's this guy, that he's this kind of this 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 high roller, uh, you know, I got this flash just the way like they're at the club and that girl walks by and he just grabs her and just starts throwing those lines at her and stuff, right? He ends up getting his ass kicked by the boyfriend, but Later on, he's like, his friend's just like, you know, says something to him. He's like, dude, that almost worked. So he, you could tell he knows, like, he's trying to be something, right? Like, and we see it throughout this whole movie. He's basically trying to be Al Pacino and Scarface. Yeah. And, you know, right down to the movie poster, 
Yeah. The wall sized movie poster. The entire wall is literally the sign where he's just like, say hello to my little friend. No, but I mean like the movie poster. Oh, (laughs) this movie is basically let's just say take on Eddie Guerrero. (laughs) Uh, So this is a sequel to Scarface. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, dude. Um, And they, you know, they reference the movie all the time. They're constantly talking about it, making quotes from the movie. Uh, But these, yeah, this was what the story is. The story is based on a true story of um, the real names were Ephraim uh, Diveroli and David Pacus, Pacos. Yeah. Same real names. Yeah. They, they, uh, they, well, the people who were in the, not, not Joan and Hill and them, but the real guys, uh, you know, they received all of these U S contract money, money for U S contracts. And then, um, it, it they all came crashing down because the one Jonah Hill's character just couldn't not be a dick, right? When yeah. his buddy said, I'm out because you're too busy partying and I'm over in Albania getting my life threatened. He goes, I'm out. You and you and I had an agreement, 70 30. I want my cut. And it came out to like $4 million. And Jonah Hill's like, Yeah, it's not happening, buddy. Mm-hmm. And so. I love how it ends too, dude. Like that whole tie up at the end with the, with the lawyer and everything, you know, with the, the, the contract that they drafted up the whole point to that, they got busted. They got busted because the fed came in and, you know, got him to basically admit on Mike that they faked all their bank information, faked all kinds of legal documents, forged all kinds of stuff. Like all of that was just enough to bring them down, let alone the Chinese uh, ammunition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a matter. It's those. Here we go. It's a, a divergent sequel to Office Space because he missed a Monday detail. Yeah. All he had to do, all he had to do was make sure to wire that $150,000 to the guy in Albania. Mm-hmm. That's all he had to remember to do. And it wasn't like they didn't have that money. That's all he had to do. And they didn't do it. And that dude was like, you know what? It. What's that? Ephraim probably had it in his pocket, like when he was peeling off money and just handing it to people. Yeah. And it just took him to say, you know what? You're not going to pay me. I'm going to rat you out. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. I was just like, wow, what so, a way to break down this empire. It, it's so funny how like, you know, the, the littlest things get you in trouble. Like, you know, you think Capone with tax evasion, but he was the biggest bootlegger in Chicago. And I guess maybe the, maybe he was the mob of Chicago as well during prohibition. But, you know, when everybody's getting rich and you have no proof as to how or why, the simplest things bring you down. Yeah. Um, things you overlook. It's one of the things I saw about this movie is that it's heavily fictionalized and dramatized because a lot of things may, may not have happened or didn't happen as they, they portrayed. One of them being was that drive to bag uh, through Iraq to Baghdad. That really didn't happen, but it had, it may have happened. said something about the screenwriters, Stephen Chin's own experiences. So he must've had to drive, you know, during, uh, during the Iraq war or something, maybe covering it or something. I believe you. I, I haven't read the original article. I was going to, but then I got busy watching cat videos on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, Hey, that's that, that's better. Um, but dude, this for me, I, I really, en- I enjoyed this movie and the plot and the pacing. I felt like there was, it was, it was one of these kind of fast paced it had all those those the little things i kind of enjoyed in these kinds of movies it was it was fast paced at times there's an there's enough moments in it where there's like tension right high tension moments um there's those moments where 
you kind of pulling for these guys because they're the every man. These are the well, not Jonah Hill, but, you know, David's character. This is the guy that is grinding day in, day out at a job that is soul sucking because he just wants to make ends meet. And if he could just get a break, something, some big landfall, right, to help him enjoy life and not have to grind so much. And it comes in, in the way of, hey, let's let's do some illegal stuff and get you a lot of money. So it's kind of like those heist movies, even where you're kind of pulling for them to win and get the money. Right. I think you mean windfall, not landfall. Oh, is that what I said? <laughs> landfall. Like, oh, windfall. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's I mean, it's it's fictionalized about eight ways from Sunday. The, the you know, the person that's invested so much because they have no other choice. Uh, I mean, there was a there was a show on NBC called, I think it was called windfall where it was about a group of people either winning the lottery or whatever. There was another one called something where it was, was where it had a bunch of people's, the the whole premise of the season was setting up a bank robbery. So basically it was like GTA, but in a serialized TV show, um, it was canceled halfway through. You never really saw what happened. Um, But it's just, it's that fantastical getting ahead, being able to do what you want, and, you know, to do that, do you compromise yourself? Do you compromise your morals and what you believe in? And do you compromise your safety for comfort or potential long-term comfort uh, for that of you and your family? Right. And uh, you know, a lot of people can, can um, uh, what's the word? They can, um, they, they can, uh, what's the word where you feel the same thing as somebody else? They can uh, empathize. I get that's, I thought it started with a C, but I can't uh, commiserate. That's the word. Uh, that's a 10th grade word level. Uh, a lot of people can commiserate with David because they are, it, you know, even pre COVID uh, and even now more during and after COVID uh, at least the, the high water mark, a lot of people can commiserate with David because they're just grinding, trying to get ahead. And right. maybe the, you know, they're, they feel like people are, they're being put upon or, or whatever by, by the band, by the boss, by the company. And, um, you know, just not, no matter what they do, they can't get ahead type thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it, it had a lot of those elements and for me, it, it was entertaining enough where I, it kept my attention. I wasn't like grabbing my phone and, you know, it was literally like, what's going to happen next? How deep is this going to keep going? And then when Bradley Cooper shows up too, that character, and then it, it was like, there's so much mystique built, right? And danger kind of tied to this guy that when you knew that they were about to double cross him, you're like, holy, this is not good. I would not cross a man that wears glasses and talks so, <laughs> so wears glasses like that and like a young Sean Fritz in fifth grade. Dude, those uh, glasses were amazing. He looked like bubbles from trailer park boys. I'm not familiar with that, but it, would you take him as seriously if he wore magnifying Milton glasses? oh god there was something about these though because they were magnified right they made his eyes slightly larger yeah but but not in a comedic fashion no and that's the thing too like him looking through them i don't know if it was maybe they they made him wear real ones so it was uncomfortable to look through but he looked like his eyes were all like cross-eyed and weird looking it was creepy dude Mm -hmm. and and a little menacing because intimidating yeah yeah, I mean, when you're when your face is out of proportion, I mean, aside from NBA Jam big head mode, it's not funny. No, it's terrifying. Like, like, like there's a bit of a recoil factor in in a lot of that stuff. 
Yeah, there's a primal thing to that. I, I remember seeing or reading something about that with like the size of eyes or heads or a lot of times when you see human features that are not the where they're supposed to be or just slightly malformed, deformed, it, it's, it throws people off. It, there is this kind of recoil to, to see in that. Yeah. Um, let's get into the cast, dude. Jonah Hill as Ephraim Diveroli. I mean, this is a perfect character for Jonah Hill to play because Jonah Hill is one of these guys that he plays douchebags very well. Yeah, and he he plays it a little more, uh, a little bit more uh, asshole douche, yeah, than overt douche like he did in Don't Look Up. Right, right. Don't Look Up was like um, uh, was like. Um, the overall tone of 40 year old virgin, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, where it was just quips back and forth. This is more subtlety and, and being a slime ball, like a legit slime ball. Mm -hmm. um, this came out after Moneyball, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Never uh, saw that. I, I, you know, I haven't either, but Moneyball is about money, but figuring out the ways to create value. I mean, they're probably similar, but different sides of the coin, these two. That was a very random rant, no <laughs> random tangent, but no. But how about how about this character? The way he plays him, right? He does. He plays him arrogant. He plays him like he's flaunting. Again, I, I made mention earlier. He goes to buy weed, right, at this place, mm -hmm. and there's these like four black dudes sitting down in this courtyard. They're like, "No, nah, this dude's not home." And he's like, "You need weed? Come down here. I'll sell it to you." And he's like, 300 bucks." He gives him three hundred bucks, and then those guys just start talking to each other again. They completely ignore him, and he's like, mm -hmm. "What the hell, guys? Where's my money?" And they're like, yo, you better get out of here. And he's like, lifts his shirt up and shows him a, a gun. And Jonah Hill's like, all right, all right. Walks with his car, pulls out this automatic machine gun and just starts shooting into the air, like literally shooting into the air in the middle of Miami. Like he's, again, like he's Scarface. Yeah, probably not out of the ordinary for Miami, but you know. <laughs> right. But and, again, like this is, you could see the influence of Scarface on him. He really thinks he's Scarface in this whole movie. Yeah, that's, yeah, you can't really there's so many parallels to Scarface or influences of the character of the movie in, in this character. I got to tell you, I really enjoyed Jonah Hill's choice as an actor. I hope it was his choice as an actor to do this, but to give this character that laugh, mm. that weird, just kind of cackling laugh that he had throughout the whole movie. Every time he laughed, I couldn't help but laugh. It just sounded awesome. It was, it was, it was great. It was, it reminded me of the laugh uh, or the approval that you would see and hear of like tyrants and how everybody was a yes man around this person, not unlike Jonah Hill's character, uh, where if they would, like in Rocky Four, for example, when the, the Russian premiere starts clapping at the end of the fight, everybody else then around him can start doing the same. Or if someone laughs, that's like in a very, uh, in Goodfellas, I believe it happens where someone starts laughing or Sonny starts laughing and then everybody else starts laughing. Or it's also kind of like uh, in Patton. Remember when they're being, they're offered drinks and he's like, no, he's not going to drink that. And the one guy's like, yeah, sure. And then everybody looks at him and because Patton's not drinking, he decides not to, he just kind of puts it down. It's, it's that it's intimidating when you have somebody of that kind of magnitude character wise their presence right mm -hmm. yeah you've been the highest ranking person in the room so to speak 
Yeah. I, I thought he, I thought he was awesome, man. I'm a fan of Jonah Hill. I really am. Cause I think he's, I think he's got more to offer than just those smart ass, like you said, 40 year old virgin style quips, because even when he is that fast talking kind of thing in this role, it's, it's completely different. Like it's a completely different character. You know what I mean? Well, think super bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and, and here, here's the thing. He has such range like this. I've never seen it, but from what I have seen, like I would imagine this is a lot like Wolf of Wall Street. This, this, the characters, not his intentions, but his ambitions, make money, be the best you want to be, get there in whatever manner you need to get to is my understanding of, of the movie or of I got to check it out. I haven't seen it. Same. same. Um, interestingly, speaking of his range, it says, uh, for upcoming projects, um, he will reunite with, here we go. I didn't read this in advance. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street director, Martin Scorsese in an upcoming oh, I know this. biopic for Apple TV plus. Yeah. He's going to play Jerry Garcia, dude. Yeah. So, I mean, have you seen him recently, dude, with his blonde hair and giant beard? Uh-huh. He's like a, he's like a surf guru now. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, but you know, that said, uh, Jerry Garcia was not known for his stand-up comedy. No, you know, so it'll be interesting to see in what way he Jonah, he Jonah Hill portrays this character. It will be, uh, let's move to miles teller. Uh, I'm not really familiar with him, man. I don't, I don't really watch much. I've never seen pretty much any of his movies. I'm looking at at his most, you know, well-known movies and I've never seen any of these. Um, he was all right for me in this movie. Not, nothing too like nothing that blew me away. Right. Like he played this kind of, he played the standard character that, like I said, he's the every man that's struggling that gets himself into this thing that becomes way over his head and he's doing everything he can to kind of stay afloat. And, you know, maybe his life starts to go to hell because, you know, he's not being completely honest with his wife and like, it just feels like this is a character I've seen before in these kinds of situations before, you know? Yeah. So, when I saw My- Miles Teller in the credits, I was like, what? and then I saw him. I'm like, I thought it was, I was thinking Miles Davis. That's a different person altogether. Um, but, you know, it, so to circle back real quick, and I did intentionally wait for us to get to Miles Teller. At the very beginning scene where it's Miles Teller being ripped out of the trunk of a car. Uh, I was like, is that? supposed to be skinny Jonah Hill with like a really bad face mapping. Cause as we know, Jonah Hill does fluctuate in weight, yeah. um, you know, four or five years before this, he was much skinnier. Um, and was he, or did he lose the weight after this? Uh, in it, his Wikipedia says in 2011, there's a picture. It says Jonah Hill in 2011, Toronto international film festival. And he looks like a young, um, Oh, what's that guy's name from prison break. Um, I don't remember, but he looks kind of like him in, in his, uh, appearance Wentworth Miller. That's the guy's name. Hmm. Um, he played captain cold in the flash TV show. Oh yeah. 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 I remember him, but he looks kind of like that. And that's a picture from 2011. And then he had increased in, I don't know if that was for this role or what, but I mean, the guy can change his shape and size, not unlike Christian Bale could. If you ever mm-hmm. saw Machinist, that's oh yeah, it's a that movie is a whole poster for don't have an eating disorder. But 
or this is what could happen to you type thing. Um, the pitfalls of it. I don't know. That's yeah. a, I just put myself into a very deep ditch there. Um, but yeah, for me, Miles Teller, I just like, I was, like I was saying, when I watched him, it was just kind of like, meh. I mean, I'm nothing, not bad. Not like he was bad, but he wasn't a character that to me stood out in terms of, man, what a performance. Do you know what I mean? Whereas with like Jonah Hill, there was kind of that with that, even with the choice of laugh, you know, there was something to this character. Well, and I think part of it too, is that they went with somebody who is very milk toast, who's a white meat baby face and who is the background character of the two. You know, you have the, 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 the comedy and the straight man. Mm-hmm. He is, he is not the main event in any case so that Jonah Hill can shine even more as that colossal douchebag. Other things. I think the, one of the things that I, I, I was just kind of like, I wish they'd had somebody else maybe is because his voice sounds just like Jonah Hill's. So during the narration, it literally sounds like Jonah Hill narr- narrating it. And that might be why I thought it was originally Jonah Hill with a bad face mapping. Right. Uh, that makes, I didn't think about that, but that does make sense. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Um, then we've got is uh, Miles Teller's wife in the film is played by Anna D. Armas. Never saw her before this, and it looks like the reason for that is because she's a, a Hispanic actress mm-hmm. that was in a popular teen drama in Spain that was around for six seasons. You could hear her accent, so yeah, she didn't have a lot of long dialogue at the beginning, and does now, or not now, but like because the movie's over. But as, uh, you know, about halfway through the movie, when they start to argue at that dinner party. It says that uh, she rose to prominence after War Dogs when she was uh, a holographic holographic AI projection in the science fiction film Blade Runner 2049. That makes sense. Do you see it? I haven't seen that. No, we should. Yeah, that'd be cool. We should go back to that. Uh, she's also in Knives Out. Um, and I haven't seen that yet. No time to die. I'm not a, she's a bond girl. Um, I would imagine. Yeah. Or a villain. I don't know. And she is set to, whoa, this will be interesting. She's set to portray Marilyn Monroe in a Netflix biographical drama blonde coming in 2022. I hope that her accent can, uh, Marilyn Monroe was not known for a no. Cuban accent. <laughs> not at all. I don't even know that she like, so Watching this movie, eventually when they started doing, when they're in that palatial estate, uh, that that high-rise apartment, everything is white in that in that place. So like, mm-hmm. it contrasts very well with everything. And I couldn't help but notice like her eyes are so deep in color; mm-hmm. they are not blue. And I don't believe I don't. Now that I say that, I was assuming. Uh, let's find out if Marilyn Monroe's eyes were. <laughs> they can uh, digitize them and yeah. change the colors. They were blue. Yes, I thought they were blue. Um, I granted there's contacts that you can put in and such, but yeah, you know, her eye color is not like that singular color. It's very much almost like a gradient of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were like, I'm just like, what? You, yeah, what? You keep talking because your eyes are very uh, coming through. They're piercing this the screen. I was gonna say right. Aside from let's be honest, the eye candy piece of it. I didn't feel too much happening with her. Even when she was upset with her boyfriend, uh, you know, I didn't, I, I don't know. Maybe it was just because it was a, it, it, there wasn't much to study in that re- regard. Like, all right, we really need you to, when she's leaving, right. I'm going to go stay with my mom. It didn't look like she was that upset. You've never had an argument with someone who doesn't speak English as their original language. Do you have you? 
but I'm thinking if there's if there's any kind of Hispanic or Spanish in the blood whatsoever, there's going to be emotion. There is going to be fire emotion. Chris, are you saying that she did not portray a spicy Latina? Correct. <laughs> you just wanted me to say it. Oh man, no, but it was funny because I was just thinking to myself, I can't you know, say your last name is Chavez. My last name is Fritz. She's Wait, uh, I'm not allowed to say stuff like that. <laughs> When I'm watching it, dude, I was just thinking, shouldn't she be more mad if she's trying to like she's literally dropping blocks of of cash in front of him because he's been lying? Like, yeah, but at the same time, when they're shrink wrapped money under this kitchen sink that you quote that you just conveniently forgot about under a kitchen sink too, like like you think that's a place that your girlfriend's never going to look like what? Clearly, who's cleaning the house? uh, Well, yeah, that's. Fair point. That, that's a point. <laughs> um, but at the same time, wouldn't you be like the the reason, logic, and excuse of, oh, I forgot. No, it's uh, I'm hiding it from Uncle Sam. Yeah. You don't take shrink wrap money or that kind of money to the bank and say, I'd like to make a deposit, please. Do you have a deposit slip? <laughs> right. Let me put my signature on that. Yeah, no. Um, again, she was okay. She wasn't bad, but it, she was she wasn't anything for me that was much of a standout. The what? Oh, you cut out. You got no audio. I can't hear you. Nothing. Can you hear me? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. you hey, I don't know what the fuck just happened, but <laughs> like my 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 mixer just stopped sending audio. That was weird. Yeah. Anyways, so let's move on to Bradley Cooper. Bradley Booper. As Henry Gerard, who he's actually based on uh, the guy's real name is Heinrich Tomet. I was just looking this guy up. Um, Sounds like a more realistic name for someone who doesn't like or live in America. Right. Uh, he ended up going on to start a company called BNTAG, which is a Swiss defense supplier specializing in the design and manufacturing of firearms and tactical components. So he ended up going on and starting a company and then selling his shares off on that. And there's not much more on the real guy, Heinrich. Um, he is the main sponsor of a Swiss ice hockey club, SCL Tigers. He's a member of the board of directors of SCL. So he's still doing his thing, huh? Yeah. Um, spreading out that cash. Playing that Brad, Brad, played by Bradley Cooper. He's in it very minimal. Like he's, he's referenced the characters built up to be this kind of larger than life, very respected and feared arms dealer. Uh, we come to also find out that he's not allowed to really be in America. He's considered a terrorist on an American terrorist list because He's somebody who sells to both sides. So he'll sell to America and sell to whoever America's fighting just back and forth until, you know, whoever's going to pay more, he'll make sure to sell to. So they said, yeah, we can't deal with you. You're a terrorist. Oh, by the way, the company, uh, B&T, not uh, Heinrich Thomas is, uh, uh, is a sponsor, not, not uh, oh, the character, gotcha. the company. Gotcha. Yeah, he's he's kind of a ghost on Wikipedia. There's not a whole lot. Crazy, right? But Bradley Cooper plays this guy. Um, yeah, I think again, the small amount of time he was on film, I feel like he again, 
So you have somebody like who's got a main character and he just had not much of a standout for me in, in Miles Teller, nothing against him. But then Bradley Cooper comes on. He's on barely, you know, what in total, maybe a, a full 15 minutes of this film. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but he's left he's quite an up. impression. Yeah. He, like you said, he's built up, you know, Ephraim's like uh, is so amazed that David was talking to him a couple times on the phone and how the guy is a legend. And, you know, the, the, the rumor is that, the, the rumor that they said, oh, yeah, the rumor is that the rope that they hung Saddam with is he's the one that sold it to him. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, for me, I thought he was awesome. I thought he, I think he did a great job, great performance in this mm-hmm. character. Uh, Ralph Slutsky, paid, played by the great Kevin Pollack, dude. Kevin Pollack is great in everything he does. I agree, man. I love Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Pollack. And when I saw he was in this, I was like, yes, this is just going to make it even better. I don't even I don't even look it up in advance. I just because I'd never seen the movie, I didn't know what to expect and I didn't want to be spoiled. Same. And when he shows up, poof, there he is. Oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah, um, I didn't I didn't watch any trailers. I didn't look up any. I just wanted to watch it fresh. I mean, I knew the story, but I wanted to watch it fresh. The performances and who was in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love the fact that uh, and, and how he's treated by Ephraim uh, throughout the, you know, throughout the movie. Yeah, he plays this guy that owns like eleven different uh, branches of a laundromat. Like a, he's got a whole a whole bunch of them chain, across yeah. the state, a chain, mm-hmm. and he finances Ephraim initially. Uh, and what he thinks is happening is that Ephraim is supplying weapons to Israel, um, and that's what Ephraim leads him to believe. And he also tells him Ephraim tells him that he's cutting him in for twenty five percent of it. And it's definitely not. He's totally lowballing this guy. But this guy is a is you know a a devout Jew, um, and so when he's working with Ephraim, Ephraim pretends to be this. Like he pretends mm-hmm. to go to you know go to what, what, not church. What do they go to? They go to temple. Temple, right? That they, they he's very religious. He's he wears his yarmulke uh, anytime he's around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes to bite him in the ass at the end. Oh yeah, um, but um, yeah. But yeah, Kevin Pollack, dude. I mean, awesome. He played this guy again. Not much in the movie, but the way he plays him was enough to stand out. And like, this was great performance. Yep. Uh, who else? Who else is uh, worth mentioning? Because there's all these other characters. Um, Marlboro. We find out why they call that guy Marlboro, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he is great. You know who he was too. He's the guy mm-hmm. that uh, from Iron Man. Yep. Ho Jensen. Yes. Yep. yep. Um. But yeah, dude. So Marlboro, that was awesome. I did like that. And he's hanging out the side of the truck, pouring the gasoline Jeez. into the tank at the driving. I was not waiting for suggest- him to get his head blown off. Yeah. Not a suggested thing to do, by the way. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, there was a, I, I want to say it was uncredited, uh, an uncredited cameo at the beginning uh, at the funeral. Who did you think the, uh, who was giving the service? I'm not sure. Who was that? I swear and contend that it was Billy Crystal. Was it really? Dude, because that, that would be amazing. I mean, if not, but I mean, and, and he makes no, he, he does not hold back when he's, when Billy Crystal talks about Billy Crystal uh, and, and in the way he acts in a lot of things, they are Jewish characters. Mm-hmm. And this was a Jewish rabbi because all rabbis are Jewish, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe not. I, I don't know. Uh, but Billy Crystal plays up the the Yiddish and the Jewishness that the uh, uh, characteristics of 
a lot of the characters that he plays because he knows it pretty well. I, I don't know if they had more than one rabbi, but according to IMDb, it's a guy named Daniel Burson. Uh, that's a stage name, Billy Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing he's wearing prosthetics in his his headshot too. Yeah, he wore the same prosthetics as uh, what is it, um, Princess Bride? Nice. Um, but yeah, overall the cast was, a, it's a, it's a pretty decent cast your main, your main characters are Jonah and miles working mm-hmm. in most of this mo- movie together. Yes. All right, dude, let's move on to the music, the soundtrack, the score. A lot of classic rock in this. Mm-hmm. Ironic um, in some used ironically in some places as well. Dude, I I love when they're in the, the nursing home, and the guys the guy who runs the nursing home, his nephew's playing guitar for all the old people, and he's playing "Don't Fear the Reaper." You know who that was? No, who is that? The guy singing was David Packouts, the real guy. Shut up! Was yeah. that really? Mm-hmm. Holy cow, that's amazing! <laughs> he's singing "Don't Fear the Reaper," mm-hmm. dude. <laughs> uh, I think I think that is the meaning of ironic playing oh. that song. God, yeah, acoustically, because nobody wants to hear it, and nobody in that nursing home wants to hear it either. Oh that, man, that version that is—it's a good song, but it. Oh yeah, I don't want to hear it acoustically. Um, but notice yeah, how, this is. And notice how MTV did not do a Blue Oyster Cult unplugged. <laughs> this is um yeah so this is dude it's it's very heavy, uh classic rock right it looks yeah. like they got James Gangs on here funk number forty nine like I said don't fear the reapers on here. There is also uh, some updated hip hop. We got So What You Want from the Beastie Boys, mm-hmm. 50 Cent, What Up Gangsta, um, Jump Around, House to Pain, Sweet Emotion, Aerosmith. This is a killer soundtrack. Mm-hmm. UB40. Juxtapo- yeah, juxtaposed with Ain't That a Kick in the Head by Dean Martin. Right. And Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon by Neil Diamond. Um, I did like the ironic use of uh, fortunate son like they do in any war movie <laughs> but uh you know what was cool too was when they were doing wish you were here when mm-hmm. he's shooting the gun in slow motion and you could just see the, like the, the birds flying in slow motion i thought that was a nice use of the song it i, I thought it went well with the visuals mm-hmm. uh what is love by hadaway <laughs> oh my favorite version of you keep me hanging on by vanilla fudge love it jeez uh, yeah, dude, this is a great, great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Amazing soundtrack, if you ask me. This is one that's like <clears throat> you keep looking through it and you're like, oh man, there's also look behind blue eyes, the who, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many different um uh, what's the word? Uh, well, I'm having such a such a weird time with words today. Uh <laughs> they had such a different, such a a, a vast diverse, diverse lots of different generational songs in here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I mean, Forrest Gump soundtrack is, is pretty much the high watermark for a lot of people, but it's very specific to that time frame. This yeah. kind of jumps around to a bunch of different time frames, but is still, you know, a lot of the good ones of that time that evoke those that of us that were in the early 90s that enjoyed that the music of that time, or even those of us that weren't for the, say the seventies and the eighties, but can still appreciate, you know, the, the opening guitar riff of funk 49. Right. Um, you know, 
not to be outdone by Mississippi Queen, but <laughs> that's a whole nother band and a whole nother, uh, but you know, of that same time frame. And what I and, like, you know, yeah, what I like is how these songs are part of the the feel of what's happening at the time, right? So mm-hmm. again, it, it it lends to being the background sound for what's happening. You're at a club, you're gonna hear 50 Cent, you know. But then there are times where the music's being used to to comment on what's happening, right? And so like mm-hmm. ACDC's Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. You know what I mean? Like that the even when they, they don't fear the Reaper piece, like all of those are commentary pieces, like making comments on what's happening in the film at the same time. So, dude, for me, I thought that you know the, the soundtrack on this was just killer. Yeah, and and you know, the director Todd Phillips, known for old school, amongst others, you know, this is kind of falls in that same vein of there's irony in in a lot of his, you know, in his writing and his music choices. Um and not not to be outdone by Adam McKay, who I, I would think are both contemporaries, uh, both do the, a really good job with with soundtrack and and having and not unlike Quentin Tarantino, where it blends perfectly into their movies. Yeah, sweet, sweet. Let's move on to special effects. I mean, anytime you're going to have guns and war uh, explosions, you know, whatever, um, you're going to have to have some good special effects or else it's going to be hokey. And this was mm-hmm. on point. There was nothing on this that made me go, that did not look good. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. There's, it, it was done very well. I mean, they had a $50 million budget. I'd say that they, they, they invested wisely in, in effects and albeit some being practical, some being, uh, very much yeah. cg yeah um a lot of the a lot of the guns the shooting the the you know the just that what do you call because it's not a blood pack what do you call it when it's a you know maybe it hits the dirt or hits walls or whatever whatever explosive little packs that they have to make the that look like the bullets hit i mean those will everything will look good in that regard mm-hmm. uh, bullet pops or something like that i don't yeah. know what the technical term is um, when what's his name got punched in the face uh, when he was getting kidnapped by the Albanians, you know, it, it looked good. It didn't look kind of like hokey makeup on his face. You know, it looked pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a, a bruise because they were smart about it, too. They didn't have to do the swelling as much because it was the next day and it was yeah. also low lit. So it wasn't as bad. And then, it, you know, then cut to um, two or three days later in, yeah. in the broad daylight and it was healing, healing. So you didn't need as much. Yeah, but overall, I feel like this wasn't over the top with special effects. A lot of because a lot of what we're dealing with is interrelationships <laughs> and and just physical items. We're looking at a lot of guns, a lot of bullets, a lot of people interacting with each other. It was, I mean, aside from being in the Middle East, right? That uh, other everything else they showed was actual war footage from the news during that time during the Iraq War. Yeah, and the, and that's something we didn't touch on. There was a lot of archived news footage, mm-hmm. yes, from different news outlets, be it post-2000. There were some, I mean, you saw the rising of the flag on Iwo Jima. Mm-hmm. That's used in almost anything that's war-related. Um, you know, there was um, just any, at, at the at the beginning, there, there was a whole montage of, through the, 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 the vision of a TV. Yeah. Uh, an old-ass TV, a floor model, by the way. Like a literal, it sat on the floor for yeah. those of us that remember those. Oh yeah, um, uh, and I, I just thought that was it was very well put together, and and you re, you you could you knew exactly what you were getting into at this point at the very beginning of the movie. The imagery was was spot on there. Yeah, perfect. 
All right, dude, let's talk about our last thoughts on this and our rating. We're going to rate this out of what are we rating these out of? We're rating them out of blocks of, of cash. Five, uh, it's going to be out of a total of five uh, pallets of quote, the Godfather's money uh, as right. it is, as it is directly quoted, quote, directly quoted in the movie. Yeah, I love that. You called Saddam Hussein the Godfather. They're like, look at all this money. Yeah, literally. Can you imagine wow. that? Just imagine sitting in that blocks. Well, and, and and so again, we didn't touch on this scene at all, but the just paying somebody right then and there, like I'm assuming that there's a receipt that's got to go somewhere. Maybe, maybe not. But like crazy that much shrink wrapped money, that high. What if a hundred dollars goes missing? Who's counting it? A hundred. I mean, you could lose a whole pallet, and people wouldn't notice. I'm sure. I'm, I would imagine, but but just, isn't that wow. crazy to think of too? Like, think of what that means. That means that when we went into Iraq, and you know they ended up getting into a lot of Hussein's palaces and all of these things, all that stuff was just basically the spoils of war. Because now we have that money, and we're using that money to fund getting more ammunition over here and more weapons over here. You know what I mean? It was, it was, I was just like, Whoa, they're just using this dude's, this dude's stuff. Um, but yeah, go ahead go ahead and give us your thoughts. So when I, uh, when, when you mentioned this to me last week, I was like, all right, you know, this will be something new. I haven't seen it. Um, and then I was thinking about it for a portion of the week. And last night I'm like, oh, I'm kind of tired. I don't want to watch this, but I'll wake up in the morning and watch it, but because it is was daylight savings, I'm like, I'll probably wake up late. By the way, I did wake up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I woke up at regular time, but it was an hour later than it was yesterday because you know daylight savings time. So I'm glad I watched it last night. I did pause it about halfway through because it did get pretty intense uh, right around the time that we discuss uh, right after the warehouse scene, pretty much an hour in. Uh, it's kind of where I started to lose a little bit of interest um, and, and start to get easily distracted. Um, but that break was, was, I, was very good for me. And, and it could have just been, it's just been a weird couple weeks uh, with work, with everything else in my life. But, um, but I thought that every, the, the movie flowed very well um, to your point um, is, was not as fiery as she could, should have been. Um, and there was a lot of drug use in this movie that we didn't talk about either. And I think that if you're doing that much cocaine, even at work, especially at work, wouldn't you be a little more paranoid than some of the actors were behaving unless it was a social thing and not, or like, I gotta, I gotta stay awake type thing. Um, I think it was more of i I'm trying to be Tony Montana thing. Yeah. But Tony Montana, I mean, you saw the amount of cocaine on his desk. Yeah. It was like the uh, baking soda volcano went overboard. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, there was just a, a, a mild amount of, of, you know, drug use, um, mostly pot, a um, little bit of cocaine. But the thing that made me laugh and, and uh, kind of draw a parallel to fear and loathing was right. It was when they got high right before they went into that, that uh, <laughs> meeting with the, with the government government um not unlike the let's do mescaline or or heroin or whatever right before we go to a vegas at a police officer's so convention stone too yeah. so he stops and he says something that you would say if you were stoned does it sound like there are more than two of us right here 
walking in the hallway. Yeah, and it was too because it was all loud. It's super echoey and loud. Yeah, yeah. On that floor, woof. Um. So so I mean there was there were obviously some funny moments, some let me up moments uh, for comedic relief. Um, I mean Ephraim is is a reprehensible character. He is not as reprehensible as Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. I mean that's that's one charming reprehensible person. Uh, um, what was his name? Um, David Miles. Uh, it, we talked about it. He's pretty much the second fiddle, and he's. I think he was probably selected because Jonah Hill's personality is so big and so loud on screen that they needed mm-hmm. someone who could easily blend into the background and who would behave as someone, as they called it out in the beginning of the movie, someone who would always run from their issue or run from the, uh, whatever the, the point of contention is or, or anything along those lines. Uh, I think they called that out right at the beginning at the, when he goes and buys weed from those, from those guys on the street before he gets the gun out of the trunk. And Ephraim can just kind of play anything off. Like, oh, really? you know, we all know somebody like this. Mm-hmm. Anthony Mullen and uh, <laughs> Anthony is Ephraim <laughs> oh yeah right there's no way he doesn't carry that kind of confidence anywhere no. he just carries that newsboy hat with him or does it carry him <laughs> so uh, you know uh, with, with a lot of charming subtle char- subtlety and charming edness um, Bradley Cooper uh, is is a is adds a completely different tone to every scene he's in, no different than Kevin Pollock. Some of the some of the intense scenes like driving to Baghdad, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, David going in and seeing the dead guy behind the counter, and we realize why gas is free. And once they finally get through the insurgency, and to Baghdad, they're like, "Oh yeah, Triangle of Death." What? Huh? Like they bury the lead on that big time. Yeah. And, you know, then, then we see the, the pallets of money. Um, you know, is this movie realistic? Yes, because it's based on a real story. Some of the things yeah. probably not, uh, some of the things a little bit more fantastical uh, and fantasized a little bit more or inflated, maybe not fantasized, but inflated. Um, I did have to pause it, like I said, uh, about halfway through, but I think overall, the movie is pretty solid, steady. The story is very believable. Yeah, and, you know, I'd have to say, I'd, I'd give this uh, 4.15 out of 5, uh, all that said. Interesting. Uh, do you know how old these guys were? Yeah, they are. One year younger. David was 25 and, and Ephraim was 21 when they were doing this. Yeah, uh, they are one year younger and one year older than I am right now. Like literally that's they are, they are the same age as me. Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Imagine that having this as your story. Um, dude. Yeah. I went into this again. Not, I knew what the story was, but having never seen the movie, you know, and obviously, you know, movies are always going to have fun with, with, you know, dra- drama, dramatizing things and, and adding things to it. So didn't know what to expect. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. You know, like I said, I, I didn't really lose much interest in it at all. I was, I was pretty hooked into it most of the time, almost all the way through aside from, you know, if I'm got to, if I have to critique aside from, you know, just, 
I don't want to say lackluster performances either, because that's kind of disrespectful, right? But those, I mean, they weren't performances that were extremely memorable for me when it came to Miles's character or uh, what her, what was her name, Anna, uh, their characters. Um, but for me, Jonah Hill was enough to make up for it. And then the added surprise of Bradley Cooper was awesome. And then just the pleasure of having Kevin Pollock on screen as well. Um, again, knowing it's a true story and a lot of these things truly happen, it's it's interesting, right? We want to, as humans, we always want to see the car accident. We want to watch how all this went down. And I think that was a big, a big draw as well for me. And then the soundtrack, just killer, killer soundtrack. Um, and then the idea of we're learning about like how some of this really does work, right? Like how does an army across the country, you know, across the world get some of the, the, the ammunition and weapons and, and, you know, the things that they have, where do they get it from? How do they get it? And it really opens your eyes to the fact that, you know, whenever war is going on, that means there's some businessmen making some, a lot of money, you know, they're making a whole lot of money while there are people dying. So mm -hmm. it's a weird kind of eye-opening thing as well. So for me, dude, yeah, I totally enjoyed it. And um, I'm going to echo you probably not as high though. I'm going to hit it straight at a four. This was a, an overall four for me, but yeah, I, I, I thought this was great. It was a good time. I agree. Yeah. It's uh very interesting look into the world of warmongers and arms dealing and the yeah. danger and the pitfalls and the, I guess, is it, that begs the question, is it worth it? Are the good times outweigh, do they outweigh the bad times and the yeah. bad experiences? And what that means. Yeah. And also think about that, right? They're, they're dancing and partying in a club because they provide, were able to provide ammunition that at some point will be killing people destroying lives, destroying parts of, of the countries. Um, the other side of it too, which was interesting was to see that uh, how a lot of these people are looked at by the military, like the military kind of looks down on them. This, these guys are looked at as, as kind of Oppert scum yeah, opportunistic assholes. So uh, yeah, very good. What are we doing next, dude? So next we're going to uh, segue slightly to a, um, to another person that's got his own arms, uh, his own arms group person dealer. Yeah. Um, we're going to start to pepper in periodically some James Bond films. Because um, I think I've said it on the show. I've never watched one. I've never watched more than maybe a, a clip where they always show whoever the bond is going bond, James mm -hmm. Bond. Yeah. Shaken, not stirred. Yeah. The, the we'll watch the, Chronologically, the first one uh, is Casino Royale, starring Daniel Craig. I'm the money. Every penny of it. The Treasury has agreed to stake you in the game. Vespa. I do hope you gave your parents hell for that. Thank you. Your boss must be well connected. I've never seen so much go out the door so quickly. Not quite so stylishly. May I ask you where it is? Ten million was wired to your account in Montenegro, with a contingency for five more if I deem it a prudent investment. I suppose you've given some thought to the notion that if you lose, our government will have directly financed terrorism. Sweet. I'm looking forward to it. I've 
excuse me. Um, I've always heard it because every time, you know, I had friends that are into James Bond and they loved it. And anytime I said I never watched it, they're always like, dude, you got to watch Casino Royale. That'll get you into it. And then you can. And I'm like, I, look, I don't need the updated one. I can watch old ones, too. But I just never got into them. Um, so I am looking forward to this because I heard Casino Royale is actually a really good film. Well, you have Daniel Craig as James Bond. You have Mads Mikkelsen as the chief who's spoiler you'll never see it coming the bad guy by the way you will see in about five minutes (laughs) um but it's yeah it's um the first daniel craig one it was 2005 if i'm not mistaken and he just wrapped up playing bond his fifth movie last year Uh, awesome i think they finished filming it two years ago just before covid but you know you get the idea sweet i'm looking forward to it dude it's gonna be awesome good times Mm -hmm. All righty, guys. Listen, thanks so much for listening to our show. We appreciate it. Um, Until next time, Sean, got anything else you want to say to the peeps? Uh, Just do what you do. Be nice and be friendly. And if there's something you can do to help somebody else, do it. Because sometimes we all need a little hand up, a hand, a leg up, or whatever. True. Um, End of sentence. And, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to keep a couple of car- cartons of Marlboro Reds in your car as well, should you ever need that. Uh, until then, we'll see you next week. Remember, it is now time to unsilence your phones. <laughs> <laughs>